0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu.
1: All right, welcome. We got another week of
2: shows here. Let's Talk Sports coming to you on this Monday from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Kanoa Leahy here on ESPN Honolulu. Sitting across, as I like to, at least in recent Monday history, sitting across the table uh, from uh, one of my faves, uh, my partner for Rainbow Wahine basketball broadcast on Spectrum Sports. You can also uh, catch her on Spectrum Sports coverage of Rainbow Wahine softball. uh, And that is only part of her resume because she is also a pick Pickleball aficionado. Lori Santy is in the house. What's up, Lori?
1: <laughs> Thanks for that plug, buddy. Thanks for that plug. Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: I mean, you were, like, fresh off of the yeah. pickleball court yeah. here, right? Yeah,
1: you know, when you're fresh off at 60, you're, you're feeling it. <laughs>
2: this, <laughs> you is, feel- this is tourney time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Tightness in the elbow. It's, it's, it's tournament you
2: know. week, from what, what I understand.
1: Pacific Rim Hawaii tournament this oh, weekend. Boy. Central Oahu all week. It's mixed. you got to get out there.
2: I would love to check in it fact, out. In
1: fact, I just saw Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Phelps were playing a little bit. I tell you Rick Barry plays. It's where basketball players go to die oh they go they i thought that was go. the golf course no no oh okay yeah that too that
2: too <laughs> i just skipped the pickleball step right, that's and right. went straight to dying on the golf course that's right uh laurie it's great that uh, you are here and i know this is a stressful day not just because of the pickleball tournament uh but because of the nba finals we got an even 2-2 series uh you have uh, your warriors going back home to take on the celtics here in game five being played later today uh steph curry put on the superhero cape In game four, it was looking pretty bleak. Uh, His buddy Draymond Green has been perhaps at times the worst player on the floor. Who would have necessarily predicted that seems to be in some kind of funk. Even his mom is talking about it on social media. Uh, And so it's going back to the bay. Uh, Steph Curry, can he do that again to the tune of 43.7 to 14 from three? He had 10 rebounds in that game four. These are your dubs. How are you feeling here going into game five?
1: Always nerve-wracking, right? Game five. I mean, this is, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is I feel like Curry's going to probably get his 30, 43. That may have been the, the best performance I've ever seen from him in a single playoff game. I mean, just for the entirety. Had a couple late turnovers like he does in that fourth period, but he was unbelievable. I think it's been about Looney. You mm. know, Looney has been the X factor. Looney's the one that took some minutes from Draymond in that last game. And I feel like when they go big with Williams, it's the loon that has mm. been the guy that's kind of held that down in there. And the difference there is that he, you know, he's he's defending the three. And you know, he gets some flushes. Draymond can't put the he's shook. Jalen Rose said that on a broadcast the other day. I mean, he looks he doesn't look himself. He's not mouth into the refs. He's he looks completely kinda out of sync. That being said, going back home, he looked pretty good in the last two minutes of the game the other day. You know, he had an offensive board, he had a you know, had an assist. I mean he was he was pretty good to close it out but I've never seen him look quite so out of sync.
2: You can call into the show or you can text via the Zephyr insurance text line. two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. Let's just start there. Then since you touched on it. Draymond green, uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast, uh, for ESPN saying that he feels like Draymond's lost some lift, lost some explosiveness. It doesn't look like the same physicality that Draymond green is bringing to the, to the floor here in this iteration. Uh, That's a concern, right? Because, hey, look, there's a lot of that mouth stuff. And Draymond sort of sets himself up to be the target from the hostile road fans. And and while they're going back home, that's probably going to be a huge comfort for him. He invites that stuff. And when he is putting up those kinds of numbers, and when he is, hey, look, he made a couple of big plays down the stretch in game four, make no mistake. But he was bloody awful for the most part in the last two games. Uh, So what's the level of concern there? And how much better does he need to be to really kind of make this thing work? Because Steph Curry literally dragged this team out of what would have been a very difficult to overcome 3-1 deficit. He dragged this team back even here in this series. Can he he do that again without Draymond?
1: And it took so much energy, right? You know, it's amazing that that – Steph plays with the kind of energy he does at his age. I mean, he did, there's no rest, right? They're picking on him on the defensive end. I remember we, we went – I went to game five, saw the clinching Western Conference Championship at Chase – and what struck me about j is how fast he is. So you're, you speak to that. And When he is on the ball, he is the point guard. He is pushing and pushing and pushing and then the kick out and then the screen. And he doesn't have that. You're mm. right. He's not in that gear right now. You know, he's not the playmaker. If j not making plays, you don't expect him to score. But he, if he's not making plays, if he's not a playmaker offensively, it's it's tough to have him out there.
2: Because he, he's not shooting the ball at all. No. I mean, like not no. not not, not shooting even the ball well. He's not even <laughs> no, looking to not. score. I mean, he's not even glancing at the rim when he gets the basketball. And so you take away that element, uh, and, and, you know, obviously Steph Curry's going to be drawing all kinds of attention. He's got like three, four defenders around him any time. It did not matter in that fourth game. But if Draymond's not even a threat, yeah. that takes one layer off of what I think is, you know, everyone would agree is usually when it's going, and kicking and it's spread out, uh obviously one of the most difficult offenses to guard.
1: But you know what's interesting is Draymond's an easy guy to look at. What about Clay? Clay's shot selection hasn't been great. Clay has struggled. He's had he had a couple huge threes right in that fourth period, but he's he's struggling a little bit. He's not the stopper on the other end. That's Wiggins. Wiggins seems to be the guy that plugs in for people who aren't playing well, right? He's getting the big rebounds down the stretch at the end of games a lot. He had the sixteen boards the other night. So I feel like Wiggins does what they need. But you could look at Clay the same way and go, you know, he's not that defensive guy on one end, and his shot, it's streaky. You know, he's, he's taking his shot selections, not great. It's, so I feel like the Warriors aren't, I don't know how much of that is the Celtics in their length. But I feel like they're not, you know, I'm waiting for them to all play well. I don't think they've really had that game in a while.
2: Yeah, the, the Celtics size is, is at least in terms of this matchup, is something that is uh, pretty eye-popping, to be honest. When you see them all around that jump circle at midcourt uh, before the game, it's, it's, it's very apparent. Like, this team is, is huge by comparison to Golden State. I think the, the Achilles heel for the Celtics has clearly been When they turn the ball over, they get themselves in trouble. When they are clean with the basketball, they're tough to beat. And it's almost, I think, the line of demarcation you can draw is if the Celtics turn the ball over more than 15, 16 times, uh, they will lose. If they don't turn the ball over that many times, they will win. I almost think in in some respects it is that simple here when it comes to this series.
1: It kind of is, but it's interesting when you watch the sort of energy level of the Celtics – in the later latter part of that last game of game four it was odd they didn't have that gas they weren't pressing that cuz I felt like that was something that was exposed for the Warriors. You saw the young legs of the Celtics in that fourth period. And you know what I mean? You you could tell there was a definite difference between the old legs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the, you know, of the Warriors and the Celtics, but yeah, I felt like I feel like they're worried about closing. I feel like they're in their head and I don't think it's great. If I'm Jason Tatum, I'm not coming on there saying, "Yeah, we've had trouble clo-, you know. You're not going to hear Draymond say that." Yeah, I yeah. mean, so there's something <laughs> about like having that voice and I think they rely on smart, maybe Horford for that. But that inexperience, I feel like there's a little touch of apprehension, you know, in in closing this series. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Warriors are even in it because I don't think from a talent standpoint... You know, I, I think it's definitely edge Celtics. So it's, it'll be interesting.
2: Celtics, I think, 7-0 and this postseason after losses. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll feel confident. Seems as though they probably play better on the road overall than they have at home, certainly in terms of win-loss record. Uh, it, it's not as though it's a distinct advantage for them when they play at home. So probably reason to feel pretty comfortable. But Jason Tatum hasn't necessarily been himself. No. I, I just want to ask you, kind of closing the book on the Draymond thing, as a Warriors fan and observer, uh, how do you feel about the Antics. especially you know the fact that you know after the game he does the press conference he cleans up he goes back to his hotel room and it's right on to that podcast right he is promoting that thing left and right win or lose no matter whether he plays well or not uh as an observer of draymond knowing how he is knowing who he is uh how do you feel about all that? oh man i love me some draymond <laughs> i love me some draymond
1: i don't care i we do not win there are not three championships without him he is the energy he's the we're soft Without who's look, we're soft without Draymond Green, and I'm not saying everybody needs you know, but you kind of need that guy, that you know, you kind of need that. So, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that he does, is always on the edge, but I don't think I think that the Warriors, the pieces of the puzzle, the way if Draymond wasn't another team. It wouldn't set up that way, right? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be setting up for two, the Splash Brothers that hit all these threes. It wouldn't work probably anywhere else. Exactly, but I don't yeah. think it works without him at Golden State. Interesting. I think that's, that's the – and I do feel like there are times when, you know, he protects his guys. I mean, you know, but Steph's been picked on since he's walked into the league, just because he's got some guns yeah. now. Yeah, he's just got, just got some kidding. guns he's now. Got some, Steph doesn't have any guns. They traded guns. They <laughs> traded guns.
2: <laughs> yeah, Steph's got some pipes these days. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Steph because that wasn't a great Draymond performance. It wasn't a great overall performance by anybody else on that team, but Steph was incredible and there seemed to be this weird narrative going into these finals right like Steph who has won three titles right this is their sixth trip to the finals here uh, with this group and yet there was this sentiment like hey Steph has something to prove like he needs to win an NBA finals MVP to solidify the legacy I I didn't know if I necessarily bought into that, I mean, hey, look, the, the KD years were so warped because it just, the math was so much in their favor, like the balance of power was just so tremendously on their side that I didn't really use that as the uh, applicable calculus to measure how great Steph Curry is. I think that's, that answer has or has been made, right? That, that question has been answered already over time. So how do you explain kind of that narrative coming into this, like, oh, Steph still has something to prove, and if that is the case, how much has he already proved it? I
1: mean, you know what's interesting about him—he's just different. He's not—he's not a physical freak. We've gotten used to the freakness, right? Like with like, LeBron James. Sure. Uh, on Tentacupo you look at these guys and and you're a guy like as a girl I like the shooting you know like for me it's not a physical like there's something that gets people going about a throwdown. that's just some you know people just are up in their seat their hair standing on their back of their neck when LeBron gets a breakaway or, or Giannis is on his you know going downhill so I think you're missing that piece so in that regard when you're not physically dominant like that I think it's harder for people to buy in um But, wow, I mean, the guys, like, completely changed the game. I mean, completely, completely changed the game. And everybody loves playing with the dude. Like, there is not a guy. He deferred to KD, right? It's yeah. his team. It's yeah. Katie still left because it was Steph's team. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the irony? Like, right? You know, yeah. like he came in and he was the he was the alpha. He was the best player in the league, the best player on the team. Led him to a championship MVP in the championship finals, and yet he still left. I, I, what I love about Steph is he raises everybody's level. He's you know if, if you're shooting Kanoa three in the corner, he might even run the other way without looking. Maybe not, but
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you know, like that, that's what you gotta. I I think it's a no-brainer. But I think it's the Physicality, the defensive end for so many years, where they felt like he was a liability. You know, it depends on what, what you like. I loved Allen Iverson. Was he a liability defensively? Probably, but, man, he was fun to watch.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think Steph Curry ha- had already established himself as the greatest shooter of all time, right? And so that, that legacy, to me, was already solidified. Uh, this notion that he needed to win an NBA Finals MVP, even though you could have argued that he should have won it over Andre Iguodala in that first championship run anyway. Uh, his numbers in the Finals, I think, going in were like 26-6-6. Six and six. It's like, that's, that's pretty good stuff, you know? Uh, and so I didn't necessarily feel at least from my perspective that there was this need for Steph Curry to like prove it to us that he really was great. Like we already know that he's great. What he did the other night though, I mean yeah. that was bleeping off the chain yeah, it what was. he did.
1: It was. And you know, I think the dagger was when he pulled Will he pushed and pulled with Williams and he hits that little one handed runner from the <clears throat> from the free throw line. And I think maybe big shots have been another criticism of, of of Steph. Like has he hit these big game winners in these situations? Has he and you know, I felt like just his affect the other night, the confidence level there, like he was juiced. Like it obviously Boston the Boston fans, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Got it got him going. You know, he's feeling for his guy. I mean that's something that Golden State's always done well. That culture, you know, that was that was for draymond right type performance from clay i mean from steph i think he was really that was kind of in his head you're picking on my guy you know that was probably a lot of it what's interesting is when you go to a golden state game if you've ever seen it have you ever seen a steph warm-up he comes out with the guy with the salt and pepper hair that's his like personal personal coach Mm -hmm. and they go through a routine kind of that you would it's the most fascinating shooting routine for like 45 minutes same routine the right-handed yeah. runner from the you know from the elbow the left-handed runner from the elbow like it's a it's in the most intense shooting display you've ever seen and then he goes to the tunnel you know but it's like the you know all the super st- all the stuff that he does you yeah. know is is uh, the repetition is yeah. so meticulous yeah
2: i actually did see it went, went up um, with a bunch of ilani guys I remember when that. it was the yeah. raptors warriors yeah, was that 2019 right. we bobby webster it. the gm for the raptors so we all went up and and that was at the old oracle arena and so we uh, we watched the warm-up and i mean it was like as entertaining as the game it itself <laughs> maybe even more entertaining like it was it was amazing stuff uh, for sure uh, you know what's, what i always think about with with regard to the steph curry thing you, you're talking about Giannis and lebron and Sort of these freaks of nature physically and athletically and and steph is this diminutive undersized skilled player and yet when you look at the backgrounds you know i think everyone sort of assumes like yeah lebron's the guy that was gifted and steph's the guy that's had to overcome all this stuff but when you look at the backgrounds, like steph's the one that grew up in nba arenas right like he was that close to the elite level of the game and i
1: think that's part of the criticism you know he didn't come from nothing Mm -hmm. you know i think there's that that thought that, you know, he had this really great family situation and he went to, you know, I think there was a little bit of that within the league for a long time. Like, oh, you know, dude, you haven't put in the, you know, you yeah. you're, you know, I think there was a, li- you know, that there's a little sure. bit of that, but, I, and I think sometimes a little disbelief that, you know, anybody's that good a guy, like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think playing on Olympic teams and sort of, in all-star games and over, over you know a few seasons that people realize he's a pretty good guy
2: yeah you know and it's just it's, it's unbelievable like what he does just seems to defy the laws of physics the way he shoots um it, it, it's it's just mind-blowing and uh, i think his talent needs to be appreciated i've been a hater of the warriors as you know, <laughs> know. i've been quite the hater draymond has a lot to do with that when they had KD, yeah, it just no. seemed so unfair for everybody but i i, 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 I finally graduated to a place where it's like i watched Steph curry in awe of just this tremendous ability. I agree with you the way he changed the game. I mean, you could argue that the three individuals that most changed basketball over history would be what, Lou Alcindor, perhaps, Michael Jordan for sure, and Steph Curry. I, I honestly think yeah. like the, the way the game evolved as a result of those three players, uh, to me, that that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It, is,
1: it is unbelievable. And I think too, you look at the Warriors, I think people feel a little bit less... You know, there's fewer haters because they're back with that same core group, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, Kerr, the way he uses them, too, is, is amazing. Just the way they use their personnel, the way he lives by it. You know, you've got Curry sitting in the fourth quarters of games where you're like, get him back out there, you know. But he doesn't. He, he sticks by that little strategy.
2: All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Kanoa Leahy here in the house, sitting across from Lori Sante. I have the privilege of working with her on the Rainbow Wahine Basketball broadcast for Spectrum Sports. You can also hear her on the Spectrum Sports broadcast of Rainbow Wahine Softball alongside Scott Robbs. Uh, She is a big Warriors fan, so she's a little stressful here tonight. I see biting some nails here. She's getting ready for this uh, Game 5 coming up. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, because uh, we had the privilege of sitting courtside uh, all season and watching one of the great individual seasons and overall performances put in by a Rainbow Wahine basketball player in Amy Atwell. And the dream sort of just continued to unfold right this incredible script of you know winning a conference regular season title conference tournament title going to the ncaa tournament playing against a baylor team that featured one of the topics in the wnba draft and several really really good players and then she herself amy atwell gets drafted to the la sparks and it's like wow laura beeman has connections to that franchise and it just everything was was unfolding in such a poetic way and then You know, she had that tremendous performance in going six for six from three-point land in the preseason finale. And so we're thinking like, wow, she's starting the season opener for head coach Derek Fisher. Uh, And then you fast forward like four regular season games and she's now no longer with the team. Derek Fisher is no longer the head coach of the team. What happened in your opinion to Amy Atwell? I mean, just how did it sort of, at least this iteration of her professional career, how did this kind of hit the skids?
1: Well, you know, it was... It was unbelievable. It was like the Cinderella season that never ended, (laughs) right? I mean, you even talk to Amy, like it was just award after award. And then the draft, I think she was pretty pretty surprised at the draft. But, of course, like everybody could use a three-point shooter like that. I think um, Fisher may not have used her in the way he thought he could use her. He started her that first game, and she didn't hit a three for a while. You know, she was nervous. There were nerves there. She struggled. The team was losing, right? So Fisher struggled. That team's probably going to continue to go through some growing pains. So there's a piece of that, right? You got a team that's losing. You're looking for – so, yeah, I think that that kind of came to an end for Atwell, but she's still training looking to get picked up, signed a pro contract in Australia yeah, with, with Perth. The Perth, yeah, Perth so links. I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if that WNBA dream will continue in terms of her getting picked up or, but her game, she'll continue to work on it. That's the thing that Atwell's done. She got better and better and better and better, much like Steph. Um, league-wise though, wow, it's so hard to defend, you know, her position. I mean, she that's a uh, that, That's That's, a tough, that's the that's, obvious that's,
2: question is, is asking you, like, can she play? Can she play it in the WNBA level?
1: I think she can, but it depends on what you're going to trade. She's got to score threes. If she goes into a game and mm-hmm. plays eight minutes and can't hit a three, yeah. you know that's it's like what are yeah, you out there? Yeah, for? And, yeah, and a lot of times it's that three and D kind of mode. So yeah, I do think she can, but it's got to be the right fit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a, it's somebody that's just a you know a phenom that can step into any team and help out. I mean, it's a definitely a flavor, a three point shooter, somebody that can give you you know. But she can get that shot off in the league for sure. I mean, we've seen that. It's yeah. a phenomenal shot. But I think it would take maybe her body morphing a little bit more um, physically. Uh, but I know she wants to go home, too, Kanoa. You know, she was here for – she didn't go home much during that six-year uh, career that she yeah. had. So, I mean, I, I don't think she's lamenting heading back home and playing it at, at a pretty high level in Australia.
2: Two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. You can text us as well via the Zephyr Insurance text line. We have Scott calling in on the line. What's up, Scott? How's it going?
0: Hey guys, Uh, hey Lori. So I saw you know uh, after the season a while ago, Nene transferred out, and I I mean I don't think it was the coaching thing. I just think next season there's going to be so guard heavy uh, with uh, Lily returning, uh, transferring, and you got Kelsey, you got Olivia. um, You know, so what are your thoughts as far as Nene bringing in?
1: you know, I think a couple of things. I think, you know, the injury was untimely for Nene, and I thought that Kelsey might really kind of grabbed that torch and maybe got better than even Kanoa and I thought she would. I thought mm-hmm. her improvement in terms of her decision-making stuff was really good. Um, but I, you know, I don't think you can ever have enough guards. I mean, in a way, I, you know, you look at, you look at Olivia Davies, how good she is offensively. I, I mean, and I think Beeman wants to be a little bit up tempo. I think the Big West has been driven the last couple seasons since maybe Fluker and Birch have been gone mm-hmm. out of the Big West in terms of bigs. So, um, you know, you got a couple sisters playing that'll put people in the stands here. Yeah. And you know, I I love Na Calhoun. I thought she she's handled everything over the course of her career here really. Incredibly classy. I mean, and uh, she's—I believe at uh, Cal Cal Baptist. I so, think is where Nays playing.
2: Yeah. Anything else, Scott? Yeah.
1: No. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I think because she's so competitive too. I mean, I, yep. like
2: you said, it's, I mean,
0: it's going to be guard heavy. So yeah. um, it's going to be a lot of uh, competition to uh,
1: get the guard spot. I mean, as far as the front line, you got Nana coming back. You got you got Deja.
0: Um, they think they pick up a transfer. a Six foot three transfer. They did, Jeffries. Yeah,
1: oh, wow. yeah she's a big. She's a big, big.
2: So it's going to be interesting. But uh,
1: yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah, glad you're Scott. Yeah,
1: thanks for watching, Scott.
2: Uh, yeah, two nine six fourteen twenty is the numbers. You say glad you're watching. You're well, talking about basketball be or the show? Because be this is radio. The Wahine, I, but... I hate to break it to you. This is radio right now, Larry. <laughs> and
1: you know what? This is so great because like I can just dress.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you just came straight just, from the pickleball court. Uh, You're you, still in your pickleball whole thing outfit. that
1: where I have to dress up. <laughs> oh. And during COVID, I mean, I barely got out of your sweats.
2: Oh, man, you are And t- then
1: I had to, like, put on real clothes. I
2: know, I know. How it much was, of a pain the You just put that? on your
1: Aloha shirt. It's
2: just... That's true. Yeah, That's true. It's so unfair. It's so much better. I mean, speaking as someone who has the, the definite looks for radio, it is so much better... <laughs> Just working in radio. Again, Two nine six fourteen twenty 1420 is the number to call. We're planning on talking with Dean Shimomoto, former Iolani state champion head coach on the boys basketball side. Uh, he's now obviously doing some analyst work as well with spectrum OC 16, doing a great job there. Uh, but we're going to talk with him in the next segment about what is going to be the institution of a shot clock. This has been a long debated topic for years and years and years. And it's interesting that Dean an Iolani alum and former coach as, as, I am an Iolani alum as well. Uh, And Iolani being one of the programs that was reputed. To sort of take advantage of the lack of the shot clock, dare we say? Facts. Wait, what? Facts. Wait, is this for real? Iolani used to spread the floor and uh, they used to go four corner and, and eat clock? No, that's, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's oh, some yeah. truth that there. That made
1: for some great spectator. Watching oh, man. Too. Boy, ooh, wasn't there man. like a Marino like, game? Iolani's up three. Sit, <laughs> sit back, sit back sit get some popcorn.
2: That's right. <laughs> wasn't there like an Iolani <laughs> Marino game that was like 17-13 was the final? <laughs> that's right. So we're going to kind of get the uh, reaction of Dean Shimomoto because they're going to institute this in a couple of years um and and i do want to get your opinion on that uh, as well lori so uh, yeah yeah good stuff uh, definitely but just to kind of piggyback on what scott had talked about before we take that break uh what do you think that backcourt if we are to assume that it's Lily wahine kapu and her sister Jovile Fotu out of iolani right and 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 these two who obviously you would assume are going to have this innate chemistry um, what do you think that looks like right especially for a team that has to find a way to compensate for the loss of this juggernaut scorer that was Amy Atwell yeah
1: you know, I think I think they're the scoring will be more prolific right they're not going to be down as I think they'll have they're going to have to fill that up right they've got to somehow find a way you get two scorers sort of coming in you got another big coming and nana's going to be better um i think they'll be better defensively and they're going to have fresh legs they've had that last year their depth helped them a lot last year they were able to rotate that guard position they were able to have fresh legs on people so i think they'll actually i don't know if they'll be able to even up what atwell did i mean when you're going for 2025 20, a game with the new players but i do feel like between davies and deja I feel like that backward's going to be probably the best in the Big West.
2: You like how I've mentioned Iolani uh, like five times already? That's right. <laughs> that is by design, Lori Santi. That is by design. Hey, public
1: school right here. Public <laughs> school. you always that put up. Public school.
2: <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we'll talk with Dean Shimamoto about this shot clock institution in state tournament play in prep basketball. It's going to be pretty interesting, certainly, and quite a difference in the dynamic as you prepare for that state postseason. All right, you're listening to Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu, Kanoalehi, sitting in here with Lori Sante. And we've been talking a little bit of hoops. We've been talking about the NBA finals. We've been talking about Amy Atwell. and We want to bring in yet another voice to talk about a pretty big story that just came out uh, as it was basically approved on the final day of the 61st annual Hawaii Interscholastic Athletic Directors Association Conference uh, being held uh, just this past week. The adoption of a 35-second shot clock for all state tournament basketball games beginning in the 2023-2024 school year. And so to talk more about this, we want to welcome via the phone line uh, a guy who I'm very familiar with, a good friend of mine, but also a former Iolani state champion head basketball coach on the boys' side, Dean Shimamoto, on the line. What's up, Dean? How's it going?
0: Glenn.
2: Hey, thanks for uh, joining us. Of course, Dean doing some work as an analyst now as well for Spectrum OC16 does a great job there. But uh, Dean, uh, give me just your initial reaction here uh, to this decision, this this approved idea by uh, the athletic directors to administer a 35-second shot clock in the state tournament. Now, leagues will be allowed to adopt it. They are not mandated to. But just your uh, general reaction here to this ruling.
0: Oh, it's It's huge. And super exciting for Hawaii um, and basketball here in Hawaii. Definitely a move in the right direction. I know it's only the state tournament, but it's a start, and it has to start somewhere before it's, you know, throughout all the leagues and in all the games. So, uh, this is a really exciting start.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I know that there are going to be some people out there. They're like, all right, these two Iolani guys are talking There's about... There's people right <laughs> 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 here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Laurie Santy only like <laughs> three I'm feet keep... away from me. There there are people who are thinking these two Iolani guys are actually going to pretend like they're excited about the institution of a shot clock. When Iolani was the, was the team and program over the course of time, most reputed to take the stall tactic right to the next level. It has happened. You play by the rules of the game, right? You take advantage of them as much as you can. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we were not ever proponents of this kind of thing. Dean, how do you qualify that? No, you're absolutely right. I mean,
0: with the existing rules, you're going to try and find ways for your team to be successful. And we've done that in the past. I mean, it's resulted in a stall in certain cases. Um, but, <laughs> oh, but, my uh, God. Dean. <laughs> <15. laughs> but I'm telling no, hey, hey, you know, it happened. It happened. Uh,
1: Yeah. Oh, you guys Um, are smarter. I mean, I, you know, I, I know you're smarter and that's, Hey, let me ask you this team. What would, why would a league preclude themselves from using it? Would that, I mean, if you, you know, state tournament wise, would that be because of the practicality the expense? I mean, why would, if it's in the state tournament, why would your league choose not to? I mean, what, what are you hearing about that?
0: Primarily expense. Yeah. So when you, when you think about what has to happen to put a shot clock into a gym right that doesn't have one so the costs, you know can run anywhere from you know five to ten thousand dollars to put it into a gym and that's assuming that you have a a compatible scoreboard so you think about it right things that sometimes you don't think about when it's like hey put in a shot clock you see it maybe in some club leagues and whatnot and they just have a shot clock on the floor and they run it separately but it can't be that way it has to be mounted all right and wherever you mount it Hmm has to have electricity, which it probably won't. The scoreboard has to be compatible because the shot clock has to tie into the existing scoreboard system. So if you have an aging scoreboard, there's a chance that, hey, maybe we need to upgrade the scoreboard system in addition to adding a shot clock. So sometimes that cost can increase. And then when you're talking about doing it in a number of gyms you know, throughout the state that maybe have old wiring or old systems, then again, it can increase that cost. And to do it for everybody, um, yeah, it's, it's significant. It's not nothing, right? Is, does that
1: create a bit of a competitive advantage? Have you been hearing that rhetoric a little bit amongst, you know, the ads in terms of obviously an ILH, you know, versus an OIA budget? Or I mean, is that is that been talked about? Uh, I'm, you know, I guess a little bit, right? I yeah. mean The, the money yeah.
0: uh, in ILH schools different than what you have for uh an oia school so i mean and and then even around the other leagues around the state right the bif and the mil so it is a little difficult to get those in every gym and then you add to that someone else has to be running that like you don't run the Mm -hmm. scoreboard and the shot clock at the same time that's a separate operator right so there's another cost involved there and then they'll say the shot clock job even though you're only resetting the shot clock is one of the more difficult ones because you have to assess really quickly whether or not a shot hit the rim and then reset it and 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 so it's, it's not quite that easy so it's another official not quite official but another timer that has to be involved there so that's maybe a recurring cost that gets added on also
1: right
2: We're talking with former Iolani boys basketball coach Dean Shimamoto, talking about the institution of this 35-second shot clock just approved by the ADs for all-state tournament basketball games starting in the 2023-2024 school year. Uh, We can laugh about it, Dean, right at this point, but when you you look back, uh, what what would maybe be the example that you would throw out there of of the time that Iolani most took advantage of the no-shot clock era?
0: Well... There was a game, it was, <laughs> it ended up to be 2-0 uh, uh, at half. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where uh, to be clear, not softball, not soccer. <laughs>
1: hey, once you get that lead, hold them.
0: <laughs> we were losing, we were losing.
1: Okay. It was 2-0, we
0: were down. <laughs> we had zero points at the half. <laughs> that was a tremendous defensive effort <laughs> by Marinol and Coach Kelly Grant, so... Uh, it did happen there. So, I mean, you know, people may have heard the story, but again, this was 10 years ago at this point. So I think 10 years ago, maybe this year or next year. And, um, it was one of those situations where we were down, we played Marino the first time they were huge. They were athletic. They were supremely talented. Uh, I think we lost by 20 some odd points the first time around. And, you know, it came around the second time and said, Hey, what are we going to do? You know, we want to go out and try and win this game, give our guys a chance. To be successful, and and we said, hey, you know what, we could hold it, and um, kind of put it out there to the kids, and they said, hey, you know, I don't think you understand what you're in for here. <laughs> it's gonna be a bit of booing and a a, a, a bit of comments from the crowd and, and things right. like that, and tried to prep them for it. And they said, hey, coach, you know, if, if you think if you think this is something we can do, you really think it could happen, and we could we have a chance of beating them, and say, hey, let, let's try it.
2: And, and, and 10 years um, and ten years from now, uh, there will be some lunchtime radio <laughs> show that's going to bring it up.
0: It, yeah, there will be. And I, well, to be clear, um, prior to me, uh, Doc she had done it a little bit against Pono that's right. that's right. in the late 90s. And, um, you know, so I saw it happen, right? I saw it be successful. I saw the reactions. Uh, but to say in 2012 from the late 90s, there's this thing called social media that tended <laughs> to pump it up a little bit more. <laughs> And uh, the reaction that came back on the Twitter sphere and in other places was far more significant than in the late 90s. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> Did it um... help with recruiting at all? Or...
2: <laughs> oh, Punahou's the only one <laughs> doing <laughs> the recruiting, Lori. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, there's no recruiting there. <laughs> um,
1: you know, it is
0: interesting. Anyway, that... Yeah, no, so it happened. But it was uh, it was experience. I don't think we'll
1: see it again. <laughs> well, I, I, well, never say uh, never.
0: Not after 2024. Got one more year to try that's
1: right right. (laughs) you can still get a shot off with 34 seconds (laughs)
2: how how much is this going to how difficult of a transition is this going to be particularly for as we were saying leagues that aren't going to be mandated to have to abide by the shot clock rule during the regular season how much of an adjustment will that be uh, especially for those teams that won't be playing under a shot clock during the season until they get to the state tournament
0: In most cases, it won't make a significant difference. I mean, it'll prevent uh, extended stalling, whether at the end of the period Mm -hmm. or maybe at the end of the game. Uh, But, you know, if you were to try and track how quickly a team shoots the ball, it's generally Mm -hmm. well under 35 seconds. So for for the most part, it, it won't be a problem. But there will be teams. I mean, and sometimes you're playing games that are so close, right, like that you have to try and use every advantage. So in this case, they're going to see the shot clock and use it to their best advantage, and that is going to favor the more prepared, right? So there's opportunities to melt the shot clock. So you can play a a zone for an entire game, right, and be down five with three or four minutes left and still be in that game because the team has to shoot, right? So you're going to have to hit an outside shot at some point and it, to be able to keep that lead or extend it, yeah, and the possession couldn't do that. Yeah, you know? the possessions
1: start getting a little bit, little bit more. You can have an algorithm for that when you've got you know three minutes left and so many possessions because of the shot clock. Hey, Dean, how much do these kids play in the off season in the summer in the club situation with the shot clock? I think a lot more than you'd think. They so do, right? A lot yeah. of
0: the preseason tournaments are shot clock. Preseason tournaments have, have shot clock. tournaments have shot clocks. So Radford had it. Moanalua had it. The Yolani Classic. Uh, put it in maybe three, four years ago also. And then um, some of the club leagues and the park leagues, they, they run a shot clock. So um, I think they're more used to it than you think. And, and sometimes it's funny because the kids, right, Four times a game, do you get to look off the coach and say, "Hey, I had to put that one up"? Right? Yeah,
1: Normally, you get cat it down in your head. Yeah, Three, yeah two, right? Oh,
0: sorry, coach, it was the end of the shot clock. Yeah. But now it may come up on several possessions if you guys if you take a little too long uh, to shoot the ball. But so it does, that's the cool thing, right? Is that you get to see these guys work on skills that they can implement right away. So they're they are going to have to work on some maybe shot clock saving Mm -hmm. skills right whether it's these step backs that in most cases would be hey that's a bad shot we don't need to take it right other than at the end of a quarter at the end of a half end of the game but they're going to see that maybe more so the ability to score and create buckets in some way shape or form is going to be a lot closer to what you're going to see in the NCAA a lot closer to what you see in the NBA so that's kind of fun right these kids now are working on a lot of those skills so to be able to that into action is kind
2: of neat yeah i think that's that's the cool thing right the execution to score is really what basketball is all about and so all this does is further motivate that on every possession throughout a ball game at the prep level here so looking forward to it dean uh thanks so much that was a really good discussion and uh look forward to uh, more of your work and talking to you again sometime soon man all right, thanks for having me. All right, have a good one. Dean Shimamoto, former Iolani Boys basketball coach, now an analyst of basketball uh, on the telecasts provided by Spectrum OC16. Uh, all right, we're going to head into our own fourth quarter on the other side of this break. That means best and worst, Lori. Uh, are you uh, are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here sitting alongside Lori Sante course analyst for spectrum sports coverage of rainbow wahine basketball and rainbow wahine softball among I'm so, I'm many so other i'm glad your show's titles. at
1: noon i mean it's if nice, you right? said it was at two I, I don't know if i could have yeah made yeah here, you know and saying?
2: if it's any earlier you got the pickleball <laughs> tournament so you're right this is kind of the this sweet spot the perfect time thanks <laughs> in one hour just enough to fulfill an entire workday, and I day. can
1: eat downtown, and for lunch is
2: perfect. <laughs> this is great. This yes. is great. Uh, all right, it's time for uh, our fourth quarter game that we like to play, and that's best and worst. So you can either, you know, point it on this past weekend or anything sort of in recent memory here. Lori, did you come in equipped with the best and worst, and what is your best?
1: Oh, I have a lot of bests, which I'm still. You live to. a you great know, life. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of best, but my best has to be Jossie. has to be uh, Allo, Player of the Year, two straight years as a hitter. And just the way she went out, back-to-back national championships, um, just the grace that she showed, the the shout-out to the Hawaii girls. You couldn't have scripted that. They put her in left field. She makes two outs. They give her the exit that she deserved. She gets the standing ovation, you know, similar to almost that Amy Atwell just – Cinderella kind of season and I I think too that the fact that there was a little bump in the road for Jocelyn makes it so relatable for everybody and and I think that's an important part of her legacy too it wasn't all smooth she went a long way from home and I you know I just think that was a a, that was my best for sure Uh, yeah
2: I I don't think we can get tired of talking about her exploits and achievements and You know, we talked about it last week where I I think you would have to put her number one, right? When you talk about Hawaii athletes and just based on their collegiate careers, right, and accomplishments, she's got to be the GOAT in that regard, right? Not just the GOAT in women's college softball, but... For that category, Hawaii-born collegiate yeah. career, there's never been one better.
1: And, and you know what's interesting, just from a girl sport perspective, is she was crying at the, during that interview. Basically, I hate to walk away from it because unlike you know the pro league for softball is not yeah. that great. The national team's kind of a grind. You got to make a living. It's it what a tragedy to see that kind of a skill set you know sort of come to a little bit of a, of a halt where you don't get to see it as much. Well, anymore. yeah,
2: they got to get it back in the Olympics, yeah, right? They got to yeah, get they got to get softball back in the Olympics.
1: Anyway, but that was supposed to be a best yeah i know i know
2: and it turned into a worst the end part yeah the (laughs) best is her career the The worst is softball not being (laughs) in the olympics uh all right well that's fantastic for sure uh and i love the sign off right jocelyn signing signing out out. that is just the coolest
1: almost as cool as in a mic
2: drop that's right that's right all right my best uh actually espn honolulu zone dave kawada uh has been hired as president of ahuhui Koa Nui, an executive director of the Nakoa Football Club. That is according to an announcement uh, by athletics director David Matlin on behalf of the board of directors. And so congrats to Dave yeah. Kawada. Uh, he replaces Kim Fujiuchi, and uh, Dave's going to do a great job. He's a good dude. He loves UH sports and UH football, and so uh, definitely wishing him the best in this next endeavor.
1: And, uh, you know, he's a great supporter of Wahine stuff too, which I love about him. So that, that'll that be good for both sides.
2: Absolutely. All right, uh, let's flip it over to the negative now. We like to end the show on a low point. That's the moral of the story here. What is your worst, Lori?
1: You know, my worst a little bit is the Celtics fan stuff. And I'm not going to just put that on Boston's fans, but, you know, I've been to some games. I think there has to be a way out of making professional level sports sort of unable to bring your kids to some of that stuff. I mean, I've been there. There have been, you know, fights. I love to go to games, but it's definitely kind of taken that turn. You go to games, and they're sitting on the floor. They're in, you know, mm-hmm. Westbrook talked about it all season. I mean, it's a little bit of a, you know, fire right there when you're getting on. You you watch those fans. They're sitting from the scoreboard to the yeah. bench. There are 10 people God knows how much money they're worth funding the live tour. Oh my gosh! But right, that's my worst. Is that I I think that they're going to have to find a way to make that a better environment and not let this go down to the point where people don't. The, you know, don't want to go to games.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we're just exposed to it more because there's, you know, social For media sure. and all this stuff. But it feels like it's picking up steam it's in that regard, bit, right? A little yeah. bit,
1: yeah. I, I think so. And having attended some, I, yeah, it, I, I think it has a little bit. Or maybe kids just don't go.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I agree. I, to me, that's the line. is, is Once you start using expletives and there are kids around like that, you would like that to be the line. But, of course, that line gets yeah, absolutely... yeah crossed Maybe yeah, on a exactly. habitual basis. Uh, all right, we'll flip it over to my worst, uh, and this was kind of an awkward moment on television. Joe Tessitore and Tim Bradley uh, were the broadcasters for a recently televised uh, boxing match on ESPN and had to issue an awkward apology on the air after referencing the viral video of boxer Simiso Butelezzi, who got disoriented in a televised fight the previous week, was seen punching air in the corner, actually away from his opponent. Uh, Bradley made a joke uh, because I think in the fight that they were doing uh, – one of the fighters went to the wrong corner, and so he referenced then that Butelezzi, uh incident and basically joked about him punching ghosts, and Tessator laughed. Neither of them were aware that Butelezzi ad- actually died just days after that incident took place. So, hey, look, they honestly did not know. Their apology, I think, was absolutely genuine, but it is a tough look for a nationally televised boxing broadcast to not sort of be equipped with that information i felt for those guys man i never like to see oh, broadcasters struggle nightmare. but it's tough yeah, yeah
1: absolutely i mean and, and you know there are a lot of guys there's a community that put those broadcasts on
2: you yeah know. wow yeah. That's, well, that's the worst yeah that's a tough one hopefully they can avoid that and uh yeah that was a bummer man that was a pretty tragic incident all right laurie thank you so much it's never a tragic incident when you're here that is a really high compliment that put that a on a really hallmark high card uh, yep. it, it's uh it's awesome we'll uh, look forward to you being back here again keegan thanks a lot uh we'll see you tomorrow everybody let's talk sports